The British election that both sides deserved to lose, March the 11th, 2010. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the least ugly of them all? This is how I feel when I examine the alternatives offered in the forthcoming general election. If guests, like fish, start to stink after three days, UK governments, with their vast powers, stink after three terms. The present government is a good example. Moreover, another term could be as damaging for Labour as was John Major's surprise 1992 victory over Neil Kinnock for the Tories. Labour needs to lose, for its own sake, let alone the country's. More important... After ten years at the Treasury, Gordon Brown bears heavy responsibility for the crisis in which the UK now finds itself. No more Tory boom and bust, he said. So the UK has had Labour boom and bust instead. The government argues that this was a global crisis, but the 6% decline in UK gross domestic product between its pre-crisis peak and the last quarter of 2009 is the third highest in the group of seven leading high-income economies after Italy at 6.5% and Japan at 6.3%. The UK's fiscal deterioration is particularly dramatic. As the Green Budget from the Institute for Fiscal Studies notes, and I quote, the UK's level of borrowing in 2010 and the increase in its borrowing between 2007 and 2010 are both forecast to be the highest as a share of national income in the G20, the group of 20 leading economies. End of quote. Moreover, and I quote, the forecast level of public sector debt in the UK increases faster over the period from 2007 to 2014 than in any other G20 country, with the exception of Japan. As a result, while the UK had the 10th highest debt out of 19 countries in the G20 in 2007, by 2014 it is forecast to have the 4th highest behind Japan, Italy and the US. End of quote. Prudence has died ignominiously. True, almost nobody foresaw such a calamity, but the former Chancellor has to take responsibility for both the pride and the subsequent fall. Far worse, I fear the government denies the task ahead. Ed Ball, Secretary of State for Schools and Mr Brown's closest associate, recently told another newspaper that he's been asked to make savings of £500 million by 2013. That is just 0.3% of this year's public sector net borrowing and just 1% of the spending of his own department, which is itself the third largest spender after Social Security and health. This is simply risible. So does Mr Brown stand behind the Treasury's belief in the need for a structural fiscal tightening of 5.2% of GDP, which is £73 billion? If he does stand behind these forecasts, what would his government do in detail if re-elected? Given the government's access to the official machine, it has no excuse for not being clear about its answer to that simple question, except for the desire to deny reality. There is much reality to deny, 
To quote the Green Budget again, the cuts in spending ahead, and I quote, would reverse almost all of the increase in departmental expenditure as a share of national income since Labour took office. End of quote. Labour then would have marched public spending to the top of the hill and marched it down again. Would Mr Brown do this? It would be a huge admission of failure. Is he even capable of such an admission? So would the Tories do any better? I hope so, but I'm far from sure. They remain an unknown quantity. The May's lecture by George Osborne, the Shadow Chancellor, was an opportunity to set out their stall. Indeed, he even offered a new economic model with three components, putting the Bank of England in charge of both macro and micro-prudential supervision, creating an independent office for budget responsibility as a check on fiscal irresponsibility, and finally a programme of supply-side reform to complement the desired combination of tight fiscal policy, supportive monetary policy and counter-cyclical financial regulation. As a broad outline of where a Conservative government would wish to go, this is acceptable. Certainly there is logic in the shift in supervision back to the bank, though it would be no panacea. The Federal Reserve's role as a banking regulator did not protect the US. Again, the envisaged Office for Budget Responsibility might work if the government actually paid it any attention. But it might not do so. And above all, the supply-side reforms are still far too sketchy to assess at this stage. More serious, in my view, is the assumption made by Mr Osborne that in current circumstances, a sharper tightening of the structural deficit than the government already plans would, in fact, be expansionary. He is seduced by irrelevant parallels with the fiscal tightening of 1981, when there was also room to slash interest rates. But in current circumstances, monetary policy is unlikely to prove an adequate offset. Fortunately, as the Green Budget makes clear, the difference between Tory intentions and government plans may not be that large. On the baseline forecast it uses, it may only be a matter of 1% of GDP in tightening by 2015-16. The contrast, then, is more one of rhetoric than of actual policy intentions. At a time of great crisis, the UK has to choose between a government about which it knows far too much and an opposition about which it knows far too little. Neither side is fully convincing, given not just the scale but also the complexity of the challenge that now lies ahead. But governments always lose elections. This one deserves to do so. <laughs>